Welcome to The Becoming Podcast, a podcast that focuses on Jesus Christ and becoming more like Him through our trials. Today, two of my most favorite people in the world, my mission president and his wife. Yeah, if you guys could just say hi and introduce yourselves a little bit. Hi, <laughs> President and Sister Limer, um, Oxel and Trisha Limer. We li- we're living in Frankfurt before we were called on this mission to Berlin, and we uh, served for 26 months and then had an unexpected health emergency that required our early release. We are, as we speak, still sitting in the mission home in Berlin and preparing to make our exit. So, And Danny served with us here in Berlin. She was here when we arrived, and we stayed in touch because we love her. And exciting <laughs> for us to, to be able to be a part of the podcast. Thank you. It's, a, it's great to talking to you, Danny. And, you know, I think for us right now in the situation we're in, we're throwing a lot in, not only with missionaries all over the world who've served faithfully, and but also particularly with those who, for one reason or another, go home early, mm-hmm. because that is now what we're doing, and it certainly was unexpected, as it usually is. And then you come yeah. and realize, you reevaluate what the Lord's expectations are, and did you fulfill them? Did, did I fulfill those? You know, Can I fulfill them in 26 months rather than, than 36 months? You know, that were planned for mission presence and mission leaders. So it's an interesting time for us. Yeah, I'm sure. I think it's so incredible that we get to hear from you two because you have such a unique perspective of, I don't know, I feel like, at least for me, you're kind of like, we're like second parents, still are. And so you see all these missionaries go home, you know, early or at the end of their mission and you see them struggle or you see them prosper you know, either way, you're still connected to these people. So I think it's such a cool perspective to get from you too. Yeah. When we were called, um, and, and we were in the MTC for about four days uh, before we came to Germany. So we flew to Provo and then flew back. And President Nelson told us that our success is determined not just, not by the numbers, but by our missionaries, and not just by our missionaries, but by their children and grandchildren. So this told us a few things. This told us that we, and we had already felt this, that we are connected to our missionaries, and that you, as a person, we've, we've done the math, and if we can influence and help each missionary that we've had contact with, and we've had over 388 or somewhere between 380 and 400 missionaries come through our mission just in the 26 months we serve. And if if we can help you have a strong relationship with your Savior, and and that will then multiply as you marry and have children over a lifetime lifetime and then have grandchildren, then our influence through our missionaries is much greater than any baptism Mm -hmm. that we could ever have. And that's that was kind of our mantra as we served, was that the missionaries and your lifetime discipleship was really our number one uh, emphasis. It's, uh, we have this, you know, during the time we served you, we, a year we received the new mission standards, missionary standards for disciples of Jesus Christ. Much better title than handbook. <laughs> and <laughs> White <follows>. handbook. Handbook <laughs> four, dot, 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 doesn't matter. This is, this is a much better title. <laughs> and an improved approach. And at the end of that of that standards booklet, it talks about serving and growing after your mission. 
and and encourages the missionaries to when they return home to continue to live the gospel standards to make sure to pray and study the gospel daily attend and participate home or young single adult boards seek opportunities to serve in the temple they have one at nearby institute and religious education classes and to seek education and employment opportunities to church and other resources then it makes a beautiful reference um, to to alma and the book of mormon when Homer the Younger met his fellow missionaries later in life, and it says, Therefore Alma did rejoice exceedingly to see his brethren, and what added more to his joy, they were still his brethren in the Lord. Yea, and they had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth, for they were men of a sound understanding, and they had searched the scriptures diligently, that they might know the word of God. Now, if this were a revelation received today, it would probably say, for they were men and women of a sound understanding. So it would probably read a little different, but, but the essence, the important part is there for sure. And as Sister Limer, what she said is, is so important. We were all happy and we rejoiced about every single baptism, everyone, every time somebody felt a connection through the Holy Ghost and had a, gained a testimony, began their path of conversion and made that covenant with the Lord. But our greatest joy comes when we see missionaries elders and sisters alike, to see that they are still our brothers and sisters in the Lord and have lacked strong in the knowledge of the truth and have a sound understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So discipleship is really what this is about. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't about a body count in attendance or a body count in baptisms. It's all about discipleship. And so expectations have to be clear both for serving a mission and for life after. We just recently spoke to our return missionaries in an online devotional, and we gave them the assignment to, as, as they were looking at different struggles that many experience in re-entering life after a mission, some family struggles, some personal struggles, some struggling with going back to, you know, with old habits kind of popping back up and, and having to be reconquered. And, and we asked them to go back to the scriptures and to map out, based on the scriptures and the teachings of the prophets, their own personal path of salvation. The path of salvation for imperfect disciples, because that's what they are and that's what we are. We all want to be disciples, but just because we've served a mission, we are not all of a sudden perfect disciples. And so it's an interesting exercise to go through and find the scriptures that help you understand your path of salvation, your personal path of salvation as an imperfect disciple. I love that. And I love that you say that we're imperfect because I think it's important to realize like you were a missionary and you were doing all these things and you had it all mapped out for you and you feel like you're probably the most perfect you're going to be in this life. And then you come home and then you, you hit all these struggles and you don't have everything mapped out. And, you know, you have to realize, like, it's okay to be imperfect. You just have to strive and do your best to be a disciple. And what you said reminded me of what I heard from my institute teacher. He said, I'm sure a lot of you are missing your missions because they brought you joy, even though they were really hard. And he said, don't let the word mission get in the way. Discipleship is what brought you joy then. And it's discipleship that's going to bring you joy now. That's so true. I think that 
it's easy to, you know, like you said, it's structured on a mission. You have a lot of your, your day planned. And then you, you leave the mission and it seems so much less authentic. There are so many decisions that have to be made. You have to worry about you all of a sudden when you've been so used to thinking outside yourself and giving to other people. And that's where you found that joy. And it's really hard to make those decisions about career and about dating and about money and everything that comes at you after your mission to reality. And you kind of get smothered by all those details and you feel like you're, you're losing the traction you had on your mission, the spiritual traction. But like your institute teacher said, there is absolutely no reason why you can't find joy in following Christ in that setting. And that's where, you know, we talked about in our mission a lot about being real and about the commitment matrix and about living in that miracle zone where you hold your, you, you give effort. It's a daily decision and, and the decisions you make each day, whether you pray in the morning when you get up, whether you um, talk to Heavenly Father throughout your day and consult with Him in everything you do. Um, or you feel like you need to, you know, or you, you try and do it on the, with your own strength and your own arm. Um, if, you, if you bring him in to your life on a constant basis in very personal and very might seem mundane ways, then he will guide you. And, and we do live below our privileges, as, as President Nelson has said many times. I think that the Lord always has so many things waiting for us, like you said, and if we true and give that effort like president nelson's what did he say oh, it just left my mind <laughs> the lord loves effort yes, yes. he loves, the effort. Lord loves effort. effort isn't that different than saying the lord expects perfection it's it's a it's a good thing to hear you know to hear that teaching that the lord loves effort you give it your best effort and you keep working on that and and you shouldn't feel that at the end of your mission, you've reached your peak. You peaked out in your spirituality and you can't ever retain that. There, there should be an expectation that age will bring some wisdom and some more refinement and improvement. And you'll keep learning, especially if you're married and you have a partner you can work with together and you improve each other and you help each other. And so it's, it's all about becoming because despite your best effort, you will not all of a sudden make this jump and reach perfection. You know, imperfect you remain, an imperfect disciple you remain for the rest of your life. And perhaps the perfection that we work on and strive for comes then in or after the resurrection, but it comes in and through Christ, not because of something we've done. We know that we can be saved in, in and through Christ after all we have done, but not because of what we've done. And that means in, in all logical consequences that we cannot work our way into heaven. There has to be something more. There's the grace of God that has to somehow change us um, when the time comes. And so meanwhile, we just give it our best effort. And, and we trust that the Lord, that the Savior was willing to die for imperfect people. He well knew that when he brought his great sacrifice. That we are not perfect is not a surprise to him. And so we have to figure that in and accept that as part of our path of salvation. 
I think it's it's interesting how um, our our expectations or the expectations that are placed upon us, the checklists that we make for ourselves that that tell us whether we're good enough or not, those really have they're more of a distraction, I think, than they they are a help to us. I think that Heavenly Father and His plan created a world that was imperfect in order for us to be able to become like Him. And if you think about that, then, and the expectation we have, then we need to be able to bring that into our our expectation and, and expect to have hard times. Expect, whether it's so through fault of something we've done, or whether it's just something that happens. Those valleys in our life, those things that really stretch us, um, are the places where we connect. Those are those those broken edges, as a good friend of mine refers to them, that we suffer through. And those broken edges are raw, they're, they're, they're sensitive, they can be embarrassing, they can be very difficult, but it's those very rough-edged times, those raw times that really help us come to know our Savior because we know that we can't do this alone. We have to have something beyond our own power. And they help us then in turn reach out to other people with a true compassion that we couldn't have had without having gone through that ourselves, which is a shadow then again of the atonement itself, where Christ felt what we feel so that he would know how to suffer us. And we're kind of going through that as we go through really hard times in our life. And, and so coming off of a mission with the expectation that we have all these tools in our, in our belt and we're not going to have to have any of those difficulties because we are going to rise above them because we are committed disciples. That's where I love the imperfect disciple term. Um, it doesn't forego rough times. It makes us better equipped for those rough times. So let me, if I may, quote some scriptures because I think this deserves re repeating. Second Nephi 25, verse 23. For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. And, you know, preach my gospel, which you're well familiar with as a missionary, it reads, God's purpose, his work, and his glory is to enable each of us to enjoy all of his blessings. He has provided a perfect plan to accomplish his purpose. Um, President Nelson has talked about uh, this topic and what it means when in the scriptures uh, we're called to be perfect. And it's worthwhile to go back to some of his conference talks on, on that topic. Um, just like to quote him in, in one of his teachings, if I may, he said, quote, we need not be dismayed if our earnest efforts towards perfection now seem so arduous and endless. Perfection is pending. It can come in full only after the resurrection and only through the Lord. It awaits all who love him and keep his commandments. It includes thrones, kingdoms, principalities, powers, and dominions, it is the end for which we are to endure. It is the eternal perfection that God has in store for each of us. And he closed with, he said, I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is from General Conference, October 1995. Thank you so much. I 
was going to ask you a few questions, and you answered them with everything you both said. The biggest thing that I think I've struggled with, and I'm going to get emotional, um, the biggest thing that I've struggled with coming home is feeling enough and just wanting to be enough for the Lord and feeling like I keep falling short. And um, so everything you just said was definitely something my heart needed to hear because we are imperfect disciples. We are going to fall short. We do need that grace of God every single day. And so that's just such a good reminder for us to keep going to keep trying, even though we do fall short, we aren't going to be perfect in this life. It is pending, but we can strive to be like Christ and to come near him as much as we can. We have shared some quotes from prophets from President Nelson and from the scriptures. And is you, any of the listeners, any of those who have similar struggles as what you just described, Annie, you can find way more than that, many more, and you can map out your, your plan or your path of salvation for you as an imperfect disciple. But as you do that, just don't fall into any cultural traps or any of the worldly pretense where we you know, put on our perfect clothes on Sunday, go to church, and we pretend to be perfect. I don't think we need to wear a big sign that lists our imperfections, and we are not required yet at this point to shout our sins from the rooftops uh, today. But, <laughs> but I think that we, we just need to be careful and distinguish or differentiate between gospel doctrine and cultural expectations. And I mean cultural with all of our subcultures that we each live in. We have to be very careful of those because they can paint sometimes a picture or, or create expectations that are unattainable. If anybody pretends that they're living that, then they add more pressure to the next person. And Sister Limer always said, you, you remember this line well, she always invited the missionaries to be real. Mm-hmm. So, I remember. You know, look, look in the scriptures and in the teachings. You will find how the Lord loves each and every one of us and how he has made a perfect plan for imperfect people. And let's ignore cultural expectations that are not, I'm not saying throw all the norms out the window, that that wouldn't be good, but ignore those cultural expectations that are counter to the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think the sacrament prayer that, you know, we as Latter-day Saints, we put a lot of value in, and with COVID, I think I've come to put even more value on taking it every week because there was a long time there that we couldn't. And so it became a very a very personal thing without the emblems, but something that you, you take yourself through each Sunday. But when I read the sacrament prayer, and, and I, I think about what it is that the expectation is there, um, it becomes very, it, beco- it just becomes very clear. Um, because we, we say that we are willing take upon us the name of, of Jesus Christ and always remember him. And, and, and there's a comma there, but I think we're saying we're willing to keep his commandments. And then we are promised that we'll have his spirit with us. And there's, there's imperfection built even into that, and that's why we're taking it. That's why it's so important for us to recommit every week. 
that we are willing to give our best effort. And that's all we can do. And that's where grace comes in. That's where the atonement has to take hold in our life and should take hold in our life. And if we, if we try it any other way, it's just going to lead to despair, to real difficulty and confusion. But, but if we really turn to him, and that's what repentance is, is turning to our Savior and to asking him to take our hand and, and lead us through this, then we can have his spirit with us and we can continually do better. And that's why the Lord loves us. I love that. Sister Limer, you said that kind of going back to your mission being cut early, you said that you felt like one of the reasons was you needed to help the return missionaries. What are the biggest struggles that you've seen with missionaries coming home? They're hitting, they're hitting reality. And um, this last year, they've been hitting COVID reality. And um, <laughs> we've had a lot of contact with our missionaries. And when we were in full swing of mission presidents and, and leadership in the mission, we always, you know, it was just as important for us to have time for the missionaries that were already home as it was for us to, to guide missionaries that were, are here serving still. Because, you know, it's a lifelong commitment for us. And the difficulties we saw were, were that they were just, the, the decisions they were having to make, as President said, the, the struggle to keep up the good habits that they had from their mission with all of the, the distractions of life, the relationships that they jumped back into. Sometimes distance is a good thing when it comes to relationships and, and family becomes very close and you get to hear everything that's been going on while you were gone. And then sometimes you've changed so much and then the expectation is for you to come back and be the same old person again. And you get that pressure. There's the dating and all that, that goes with that. And, and there's yes. also people having doctrinal questions and having family or, or boyfriends or girlfriends with doctrinal questions. And then, you know, they struggle. In particular, if you're in love with someone who has a, uh, when they're struggling with it's having faith, a crisis, yeah. So in a faith crisis, you know, you want to maintain your own testimony, but at the same time, you want to reach out and you want to be there. And I think there's another aspect that is very real on the mission. It's despite our best preparation, most everybody has had some challenges in life before they come on a mission. And perhaps they've overcome them, or perhaps they've just put them in a, as one return missionary put it so beautifully, they put them in a box and put it in the corner of the room. And while you're on the mission, you don't have to deal with those issues because they're not part of your daily life. So maybe challenges, um, struggles that come with dating, with relationships. It could be habits. It could even be addictions. Um, it could be a lot of things. And and on the mission, you have a structured life. You have a tight schedule. You, you are never alone. I mean, your opportunity to stray is minimized. You'd be sort of, mm -hmm. you know, to, to misstep or to break a commandment. You just have so much around you to help you prevent that. And there's so much there that you can do that's positive. It's just... Yeah. And so all of those things that were part of your life before that were a challenge or distracting, you can put in a box and you can just put it in the closet mentally, you know, in an, as an abstract thought and say, it'll keep there. I don't need to open this box during my mission. So one of the big struggles, for example, is when somebody has... Um, that, you know, questions or struggles with sexual orientation, for example. On a mission, you're not dating. 
So that doesn't become an issue. It's something you can safely put in a box, you put it away, but then your mission's over, you pull the box out of the closet, you open the lid, and now you got to deal with it. And, and so there are many things that come back out of this box that you packed two or one and a half years earlier. And, and now the question is, can I apply what I learned on my mission into solving my big questions in life? It's sometimes easier to help people with their problems than it is to help yourself with your yeah. own. <laughs> so true. And um, I do think, though, that these same principles apply. And when we get these phone calls and we have these chats with our missionaries, um, first thing, best thing we can do is listen. And, um, and boy, we love, we, we love it. One of the beautiful things about leadership assignments, and I mean all leadership assignments in the church, is you are you're given the gift of loving people and sometimes people you've never met before. And it's a marvelous thing. And, and really it is because you, in any leadership assignment in the church, you represent the Lord. You're doing His work. You're standing in His place. You're His extended arm. And what you're feeling is the Lord's love for His children. And it comes to you as you stand in this place and can do this work. And as you as you experience that, you then at some point have to come to the conclusion, wow, he must love me the same way. And, and he does. And that is one of those beautiful things. And that's why, you know, um, we've been taught about the two great commandments. And they're in an order because the first commandment, to love God, puts the second one, to love our neighbor, as ourselves, it puts it into context, and this context is important. That love that we feel when we are serving the Lord and we're working with other people and helping others, be it uh, in day-to-day -day things and welfare, or be it in sharing the gospel, and opening the scriptures to them, or teaching them how to pray and to connect with their Heavenly Father, feel the Spirit, and recognize it for the first time in their lives. Whatever it may be, that love that we feel that develops there is Nothing more but the love that God has for each other, each and every one of us. And it's a privilege to feel that. And as it has to, as it comes to us, it, it enlarges our own hearts because we don't seemingly have the, seemingly don't have the capacity to hold all of that love. So our, only heart, our own hearts have to become larger in the process. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's definitely a privilege to be loved by, by you and Sister Limer. And I think it's important as a return missionary to find someone like a leader to look up to, someone who does have that Christ-like love for you. So you can reach out to them when you're struggling, whether it be, you know, your parents or a friend. But I think that's also a way to stay close to the Lord is by feeling his love. Yeah. And may I add to that? Of course. If any of your listeners are struggling, and I'm sure that plenty of you are, you know, in the Lord's church, there's so many opportunities. Beginning, of course, first with your own family. But if you can't find the answers or the help you need there, if it's not sufficient, you know, look at your ministering brother and sisters. Look at your bishop. Look at your elders, quorum president, relief society president. There are so many leaders, there's so many people there. Reach out. Don't try to conquer the world and everything there is in it. 
all by yourself and get dejected or feel despair. But, but reach out, and this is part of being real, and say, look, I'm struggling. Could you perhaps listen to me, and maybe you could help me or point me in the direction where I can get help? We, we, we should never feel that degrades us or makes us worthless or less loved by our Heavenly Father if we reach out for help and we admit that we need help right now. And, and so that's part of what Sister Lam always says, be real. So true. And that helps you to create those relationships and to find that trust in other people. And it creates a beautiful thing. And I know that I've experienced that with you as well. When I've struggled and reached out to you too, and it just helped us to have a great relationship. And I love that. I'm sure that's that connecting on those broken edges that really binds you in a special way. It takes courage and it takes humility. Those are strong attribute, and those are part of what we need to learn, and we need to give up of ourselves that will be willing in order for our Heavenly Father to apply this beautiful atonement that was part of His plan through His Son, Jesus Christ. It just opens it up, and that agency that He's given us is what makes us great. It's what makes us who we are, an individual and gives us the ability to become like him. And he will not take that away from us. So it's up to us to open that door. It's up to us, as President said, to be the ones to ask for help or to admit that we need help and open that door to our Father in Heaven and to other people around us and get the help we need. Mm -hmm. So, so far I have three points from you guys, from what you've said of what could truly help a struggling return missionary and one is you said to create a plan mm -hmm. others created the plan but you map it out for you you understand it right yeah yeah and then the second is applying what you learned on your mission to your life now and then third is reaching out for help is there anything you would want to add to those three things uh, to focus on as return missionaries struggle yeah. where they can look? Most definitely. You have to have gratitude. You have to see God's hand in your life. And if you if you can get out of bed each morning and talk to Heavenly Father and thank Him for everything He's given you, then, um, then you will be able to feel that you are not alone. And that's probably the number one problem that we run into is that missionaries feel very alone. They can be sitting in a home full of people or in a dorm, or in an apartment, in a classroom, and they can feel very alone. And, and that gratitude, that eyes to see the hand of God in your life, is, it's powerful and it's there. I promise it's there, but we have to see it. And it, it changes everything. It changes really rotten, unexpected things that happen, like, like an early release, and allows you to say, wow, this has been unexpected, but we have seen we have seen miracles, and um, and then you can thank him for that and start understanding, and then ask the ch the question change changes from why me to what can I learn? What is he trying to teach me? What is it that he wants me to do? How can I help him um, in his work? And then you become, as President said, you you think outside yourself, and you start reaching out and connecting to others and that loneliness disappears. So gratitude is a very big and another important thing. Thank you.
Is there anything you'd like to add, President Lamer? Well, Danny, to us, you'll always be Sister Myers because we'll remember you. <laughs> you know, and we love you, and we're grateful for you and all of the other missionaries who were able to to come and serve and give it that effort. It's not always an easy thing to do, but just to give it that effort is a sign to the Lord. Hey, I've made it here. I've, you know, it's different for everybody, and you know, we're supposed to serve according to our ability. Ability is something that you could analyze for quite a while. We're all different in our abilities, and, and that's okay. But we're just very grateful for that opportunity to have served. And even if it got cut short due to health reasons, uh, it's been one of the, you know, it has been the greatest adventure, I think, yes. that we've embarked on together, Sister Lyman and I. Um, it's been a marvelous blessing. We trust in the Lord, and whatever whatever happens, you can, as Sister Lyman says, you can make the best out of it by looking for things to be grateful for. It changes, it, it reframes everything that, that you see and that you do throughout the day. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I definitely felt the spirit and I learned a lot from you both. And I'm so grateful for you guys. I know a lot of people will benefit from the things you had to say today. Happy love to, you. Happy to talk. <laughs> I love you guys too.